Today is February 29th, 2024. This is Read Through the New Testament. And uh, I got some guests for you guys as well. I got my father. Say hi. Hi. And my sister. Hello. She is my older sister. So I'm again here with my dad, spending time with my mom who's on hospice and in the last days of her life. And so it's kind of been a precious time as we're here. And uh, we are going to read for you all. We're going to read today from uh, Luke chapter 20, verses 1 through 26. And then we're going to read Hebrews 5 and 6. But we'll get to that when we get there. Today is, though, um, February 29th. What's special about today? Only happens once every four years. <laughs> once every four years. So if you're born on this day, your, your birthdays, you have a lot fewer birthdays than everybody else. So let me start. We'll just read a paragraph at a time. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man... All the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so this is the parable of the wicked tenants. And he began to tell the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. When the time came... He sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, and they also beat and treated him shamefully. And they sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also was wounded and cast out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy these tenants and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. Okay, let's just stop right there. Like that last parable we had of the wicked tenants, like they knew and they sensed that Jesus was speaking against them. Then quoting from Psalm 118, talking about, indeed, Jesus is going to be rejected by people, but he's going to become the cornerstone. So now they're going to try to trick him, pretending to be sincere. All right, go ahead. Keep going, Sue. Verse 21. So they asked him, Teacher, 
We know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the word of the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the thing that are things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marveling at his answer, they became silent. The wisdom of Jesus is amazing. Where he just says, render to Caesar what's Caesar and to God what things are God's. And God himself out of the question of these people trying to trick him. Okay, we are now uh, in Hebrews. And the theme of Hebrews we talked about in class a few days ago was um, Jesus is better, so press on. And we're talking here about uh, the high priests and how Jesus was uh, a high priest and how he's better than the normal high priests. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he's obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Okay, two things. He's got to be the flesh and got to be called by someone else. And we're going to see Christ was called by someone else and also came in the flesh. That's why Jesus was our, our best high priest. So verse 5. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so again, guys, these are Old Testament references. If you just write down where they are in your Bibles, that would be helpful. You are my son, today I've begotten you. That's Psalm 2, I think it's verse 7. And you are a priest forever. That comes from Psalm 110 and verse 4. Uh, those would be good for you to write down. So Jesus was honored, first of all, and then it speaks about him coming into the flesh. Verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, and now we come to the one of the five warning sections in the book of Hebrews. This is the middle one. This is the third one. About this, Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. Not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And this is chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this 
we will do if God permits, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the ages to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucified once again of since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Yeah, so here at the beginning of chapter 6, let's go on, chapter 6, verse 1, let us go on to maturity. That's pressing on just so that we would bear fruit and that we would not be cursed and burned. Verse 9. Though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in the serving of the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the same full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yep, Don't be sluggish, but imitate those who receive the promises. And here's the promises of God. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And again, Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God decided to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. And we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Guys, yeah, it's fun. You're welcome. It's fun. Yeah. All right. We'll do it again. We will see you guys tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.